Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. I'm going to say a prayer after this, that the Lord indeed would draw us nearer to his presence. I really believe that today that God wants to do something very special in Foundation Church and in your life today. I really feel the pull of God very, very strongly on us as a congregation to a nearer walk with God. Psalm 73, a Psalm of Asaph says this, it says, truly God is good to Israel. Why don't you say this, God's good to me. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. How many can relate with that? <laughs> for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than the heart could wish for. But they're corrupt, and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. And therefore, his people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? These people mock God. What? What's God going to do about it? Is he going to do something about it? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world and they increase in riches. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence. for all day long have I been plagued and I've been chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. Surely thou hast set them in a slippery place and cast them down to destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they will be utterly consumed with terror. And as a dream when one awakes, so, O Lord, when thou awakes, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved that I pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee and thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they are far from thee that shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. Let us pray. Oh Lord, it is truly a good thing to draw near to you. Lord, we could complain a lot, and we do. And we could presumptuously think we understand what we don't understand and find ourselves 
having bad feelings even against you, as the psalmist did here. I pray today, Lord, as your gentle hand leads us and brings us closer to you, Lord, that we would begin to see more clearly what you're doing. We would begin to see better what your works are in the world and what our role is in it and what your abundant mercy toward us means for us. Lord, we pray today as we gather and we hear your word and we sing your praises that they would be acceptable to you, that you would indeed cleanse our hands, Lord, that you would indeed wash us and make us whiter than snow from the sins that plague us. Lord, we pray today, Lord, that you would draw us nearer to you. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen. standing as I read my text for you from Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 24. My sermon today is called Draw Me Nearer. Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. It says this, and you just heard it in the New Testament reading, but I'll read it again. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years, and had suffered many things of <clears throat> many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and she touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what it is that you are speaking to your people today, and I just pray that you would prepare their hearts for it. Lord, that you would prepare mine. Lord, I know how you have dealt with me. And I know what you are calling upon me, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you would help me, Lord, to be a conduit of your power and your spirit and your word to the people that are here. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, you may be seated. Mark chapter 5 has three main stories, but one theme. And the theme is drawing nearer to God. Everybody say, drawing nearer to God. The central story of this passage, the desperate woman with the issue of blood, it pulled on my entire being as the Lord pressed this deeply on my heart. Late one night, really early, one morning early this week. It was kind of a a uh, very powerful experience for me. And I began singing and crying and praying for quite a long time. I had planned quite a while ago after Advent just to go back 
to the book of Acts and just start teaching and preaching, which we will do. But I really felt that we needed to take a pause here for just a minute. At least one service and hear something different from God. It seemed God was leading me to something very needful here at Foundation Church. And, and I am going to tell you this, and I, I don't often say this, but, you know, the devil is a real thing, a real dude, and he apparently doesn't want you guys to hear what I'm going to say to you today, okay? This has been the most distracting, insane beginning of a church service I've ever experienced in my life, and it's very difficult, and honestly, I'm feeling a little frustrated. But the deal is, is if God is here to speak, plumbing and everyone running in and out and going to the bathroom and doing whatever, is, I guess it just doesn't really matter. If there's someone here that God is going to speak to, he's going to speak to you. If it is you, I'd listen up because God definitely has something to say to somebody here today that I pray is going to change your life. And I don't say that every week. It's true every week, but I'd like to emphasize it because God specifically is wanting to talk to somebody about drawing nearer to him. As God began to deal with me in my heart, I felt the deep cry of my own soul and many of others who gather here together us with us every week. I began to pray and seek a renewed nearness to God for myself and to ask God how, as your pastor, that I could lead us where we need to go. What, what could it even mean to be nearer to God, Christina? I mean, how's it possible to be nearer to God? Right? Jason, I mean, he's here, right? The Bible says when two or three are gathered in his midst, where is he? He's right here. The Bible says that he lives inside of us. The Bible says that he never leaves us or forsake us. So what on earth could it possibly mean to draw near to God? But not only was God dealing with me about that, you know, the Bible says to do it. So if the Bible says to do it, there must be some way in some sense that we can or a need that we might have to do it. Are you guys following me? So we've got to be draw near to God. How in the world do we draw near to God? Who's right there? Now, I say that, but I think we all know how it can be that you can be with people, but not necessarily near them. You can live in the same house. You can even sleep in the same bed and still find yourself worlds apart from the people that are the closest to you. Right? You know it's true. So if it can be true with people that you feel loneliness even when you're with people sometimes. Maybe there's a way that you can be distant from people like that. And if it can be near in proximity to people, we can be in a crowded room, we could be on a crowded bus, or we could be in a, a, a movie theater with hundreds of people but still feel very, very lonely. Maybe this can be true of God and us. We can be close to God but be far away from God at the same time. 
In our call to worship from Psalm 73, Asaph, the director of the musical worship of the temple, during the time of King David, he confesses a distance from God. There's somebody here today that's got this problem, that's find themselves right here. He had come to believe that God had let him down by allowing evil men to do well while he struggled. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever felt like, you know what, I'm doing my best and I'm trying to do what's right and I know that they're not, but yet I'm struggling and it seems like they're doing okay. Anybody ever, has it ever come to your mind? Maybe not, maybe not you, maybe not you, you're, you're all fine. We can in our own foolishness and faithlessness forget the love of God that called us out of darkness and we can feel indignant toward God. As though he is a neglectful friend, as though he's absent or forgetful or even unfair and abusive. You know, none of that's true about God, but that doesn't keep us from feeling like that. When the thing we pray for we don't get, when the healing we want doesn't happen, when the difficulties that we have persist, when the, when the good thing we want, you know, especially when we want good things. We want something good, Lord. Lord, I want something wonderful, Lord. Why won't you give it to me? We love him per se, but we've come to trust more in what we think that we see is going on between us and God than in his own goodness. And as a result, I believe we allow a distance to occur and begin to develop in our lives. This happens in marriages all the time. There's a distance, right? Why couldn't it happen in our relationship with God, which is even closer than that? This is where it enters in. For others, our lives of sin keep us from believing God could actually love us. Maybe you're not having a problem with what you think about God. Maybe the problem is what you think about yourself. The devil reminds you who you were, what you've done, and why you shouldn't be here, and why God doesn't really want to be close to somebody like you. How could God really forgive and forget? He cannot. He's God. Of course he can't. And it makes us have a difficult time believing that what God says is true is true. But whatever the reason is, there is a distance between us and God. There's a difference be- distance between somebody here and God that I believe that you have allowed to come in there and that you have uh, maybe not even noticed, but there is a coldness and a complacency that has come between you and God. And you uh, maybe even are serving God out of duty. I mean, how many of you go to work just because you're supposed to go to work? Right? How many of you do certain things that you do because you're supposed to do them? You don't do them because you just love, like, oh, you love to do it. No, you do it because why? Because you got to do it, right? You love your mother, right? But aren't there days you don't necessarily like doing certain things? You don't feel it? We love our mom. We love... Our dad, we love our husband, our wife, our friends. We, and, but here's the deal. Guys, it's the same way with God. We get in this place where we say, all right, it's the right thing to do. I'm going you know, to come to church however often I do it. 
I'm going to give my thing that I'm supposed to give, or I'm going to do whatever, I'm going to sing, I'm not going to do bad stuff. Guys, that's not really all there is for you from God. I mean, what if I told you that that's what, you know, this is what, the best thing it is for you in marriage, just just stay married. (laughs) Don't get divorced. I've heard people say, you know, you know, just not getting divorced. No, no, no. The most beautiful thing would be is if you loved your wife and your wife loved you and, 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 you know, so forth and so on, and you liked them and you wanted to be with them and you enjoyed them. That's quite a bit different than you didn't get divorced. You know, I, when I was a reporter, I interviewed people, this, this guy, you know, he was married to this woman for like 70 years and, you know, and I did this story and, and he was just like, there's a lot that can be said for longevity. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know. It's great. But imagine having a 70-year marriage where you didn't really like that person. You didn't really talk to that person. You didn't really allow them into your life. And really, there was a distance between you and them. That'd be 70 years of pain, wouldn't it? I'm telling you right now, I don't get up here every week. Yeah, I teach through the scriptures and I walk through them one by one and I try to expositionally do so. But I'm telling you right now, God is calling you and I today to draw near to him. And there's somebody here today, and it might be every single one of us, who thought it was enough to stay married or to stay in the church or to, to, out of duty, do this or that for God, but God has something more for you than that. It took Asaph 28 verses in Psalm 73 to make it back home to this verse. This is the last verse. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of thy works. If you go through that psalm, he is blasting God, or at least he's admitting to having let distance creep between him and God because of what he thought God was not doing or not caring about or how God was neglecting him. What is it that's separating you from God right now? It might take a few minutes for some of you, but I pray by the end of my message that we will see clearly the roadmap that James laid out for his readers in his epistle. Let me ask you a question right now. When we sin, what happens? I'll tell you, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That's what happens. How many of you need God's grace today? And folks, we're going to need God's grace to draw nearer to God today. James chapter 4 says this, but he gives more grace. Everybody say, I want more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Telling you, James has a roadmap right here. I'll tell you, when there's distance between you and your child, distance between you and your wife, and even distance between you and God, do you know what generally is standing in the way, Ashley? It's your pride. Because your pride won't just go, you know what, Jonathan, I've been a self-absorbed, nasty, stinking wife who hasn't honored you and who's treated you wrong, and you deserve it because you're a knucklehead. But still... But I'm saying pride won't let us do that. 
Pride says, I don't like it. I don't like what they did. And it builds up. And we're like, oh, we got it. We got this. We got this. But no, over time, what happens is this. What you do is you're like, you just start letting distance build between you. And you're like, you know what? They're not going to hurt me. And they're not going to hurt me. You know why? Because I ain't going to let them close enough. You know, if you know anything about boxing, all you got to do to not get hurt in a ring is stay away from them. Right? And those guys with the long arms, they keep their arm way out like this. Right? Keep their arm out like that. What's the other guy? He, he can't get to you, right? Stay away from me. Stay away from me. There is a distance that we put between people and us, and there's even a distance that we put between God because we're afraid that if we get close to God, he's going to want something from us that we don't want to give, and we don't want to give it. You know why? Because we're mad. Because we don't really believe and trust God and love God. What we do is like, hey, hey, you know what? I serve God. I'm a Christian, Okay. Let's let it be that. So what's this business about drawing near to God, right? James says it. He says this, God resists the proud. What is he talking about? He says he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will... Flee. What what is another thing that gets in the way? It's the devil. You know what he does, Jonathan? He accuses God. He comes to you, Jonathan, and he goes, you know what? You know what? All that you've given to God, you know what? God doesn't really care about that. You know, God's kind of enjoying the fact that you're sort of, you know, uh, like he likes to take the wings off of flies and treat people like you because he don't really care about you. That's what he does. You know what? In the end, you're going to do all this good stuff and you're going to do right, but God isn't really going to care. He didn't really care uh, about what you're praying for, what you're asking for. Why don't you just shut up and quit? That's why the Bible right here in James says, resist the devil. First, we got to do is let our pride down. And then we got to tell the devil to shut his stinking mouth. Because what he does is he accuses God. Right? That's what he does. That's what he did to Asaph. He accused God. He's like, look at this. Here I am. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Look at the evil men. They're doing fine. I'm not doing fine. Look, they're blessed and fine. But here I am. I do all this right stuff, God. You might go, I never had those feelings. Yes, you do. You do have them. You are mad. You are putting your hand out. You have created distance between you and God. It's a fact. I know it. God wouldn't be speaking to me this way if you weren't. So somebody today needs to repent. Somebody today needs to say, I am done with my pride. I'm laying it down and I'm going to serve God and I'm going to draw near to him and I'm going to tell the devil to shut up about what he says about God because what's true about God is that he loves me and that he has what's best in mind for me and that he's seeking my best in my life. And we got to draw near to God. We've got not be afraid. You know, some people don't want to draw near to God because they're like, oh, he's going to ask me to do something I can't do. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Verse 8 of James. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a prescription that James is offering here in this epistle. It's one that we don't like. But the deal is, is the reason that there's distance between you and God is not God. It's you. 
There's a reason there's distance between you and God is you and me. We do this. We put God at arm's length. And you go, well, no, we don't. Yes, you are. You've been angry. You've been hurt. You, people have mistreated you. And you go, you know what? Those people mistreated me. God's probably going to mistreat me. And I'm only going to allow God to be so close to me. You go, So as we consider these things, let's go back to the woman with the unbearable issue. You know, when the Lord put that story on my heart, I didn't know the other stories that were around it. And in fact, the story of the woman with the issue of blood happens in the middle of another story. He's, he's right in the middle of something happening and then the story with this woman happens. I believe that God's going to speak to several of us here today to help us see how we have grown distant in our hearts and how we have been serving God out of duty, but how God has so much more for us today. Mark chapter 5, Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Who did he go with? He, he's, this is in, in Mark 5, 25. He's going with a guy by the name of Jairus. Jesus had just gotten off a boat. Earlier he had crossed the Sea of Galilee from the west near where Peter and his band of fishermen that Jesus had called to be his disciples lived. They disembarked near some cliffs not far from a place called Gadara on the eastern coast of Galilee. And as he got out of the boat, there was a demon-possessed man who it says saw Jesus. Everybody say, when he was afar off. You know, God picks every single word in the scriptures for a purpose. And I really believe in chapter 5 of Mark, you will see this theme. There are those that are afar off. And the only way to get what people need is to draw near to God. I didn't know. I, I mean... This is how you know the Holy Spirit talks to you, Jason. You know, you, you hear a story and the Lord puts it in your mind and then you get out the Bible and you start reading and everything that God's talking about all of a sudden starts coming alive all over the place in stories you didn't even know you were about to read. You're like, wow. That's what happened to me. He saw Jesus when he was afar off. I already had my sermon title, Draw Me Near. And I read this. He saw Jesus when he was far off. He drew near to him for deliverance. He had been living among the tombs, naked, terrifying everyone in the area as the demons drove him into madness. We don't know how he came to be like this, but he was in a horrible state the day that he ran to Jesus. And you know what that man knew? That man knew that if he was going to have deliverance, Jason, you know what he was going to do? He was going to have to get near Jesus. He was going to have to go right to him. He was going to have to run to him. And if he did, well, his problems were going to be solved. Jesus got back in the boat after he had cast out these demons and he said he was going to go to the other side and he did. And another man, an important ruler of the synagogue named Jairus came and came up to Jesus with a desperate, desperate need. The desperate need is that his daughter was dying and he wanted Jesus to come. And so here Jesus is saying, okay, I'll go with you. 
Verse 21, when he passed over the other side, much people gathered. I'll read it for you. He was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Everybody say, he fell at his feet. What's he doing? He's getting near Jesus. You want someone to help you? You're like, hey, hey, help me out. You go, you go, James, you run and you fall at somebody's feet and fall on their feet. You're probably gonna, they're probably going to get your attention, right? Imagine one of your workers. Uh, James, 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 what? Leave me alone, leave me alone. Falls at your feet. James! You're like, hey, okay, you got my attention. What can I do for you, right? He fell at the feet of Jesus, desperate to have the need of his daughter. His daughter's dying. It's worse than he's dying. I mean, it'd be one thing to have leprosy, but another that your, that your little girl's dying is a whole other thing. My little girl lies at the point of death, and I pray, come and lay thy hands on her. He knew he had to get Jesus near his daughter. He had to go get near to Jesus, and now he had to get Jesus to go get near his daughter, that she might be healed and live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him. And they thronged him, okay? This word we don't really use a lot, but thronging is basically they're there and they're in a big crowd and Jesus is walking and they're just all just, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're wow, what are they doing? They're thronging him, they're pushing him. They're just like, they're watching him. They're like, oh, here comes a guy that when you get near this guy, good things happen. Here, demons we heard over in Gadara came out when the, the man came and threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And here we got Jairus. Jairus is going, come on, come to my house, come to my house, come and, come and pray with my daughter. My daughter's going to die if you don't come, come on. Here we got this important guy at the feet of Jesus. People are thronging around him. They're like, oh, do something for me. We don't know. You know, the Bible said he did all kinds of things. He may have healed 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 of these people. We don't know. But they were thronging him. Are you with story in the Jesus? Are you with Jesus now in the story? It was quite a scene. He had delivered the man who drew near to him that was demon-possessed. Another man now falling at his feet, begging for help to save his little girl. It was in the midst of this tumult before Jesus even makes it to the home of Jairus that we meet a beleaguered woman. A certain woman. It's funny, they, they, they named the man, Ashley. A certain man says, by the name of Jairus, right? They don't name this woman. A certain woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had a discharge. She had an issue. She was bleeding for 12 years. She had constant menstrual bleeding that would not stop. There were many reasons. This would have been very, very difficult for her to endure. In addition to her constant weakness and anemia, and now her poverty, there was something else. She was perpetually unclean. And I don't mean to say that she's dirty. The Bible, James, would declare something clean or not clean, okay? So when you were unclean, you were not allowed to go to the temple, you weren't allowed to be around other people, you, you were a mess, and you had to go and be in quarantine, okay? Kind of like 
you know, we've just lived through this pandemic, right? And they're like, uh, and they make you fill out a form, right? Have you been around anyone with symptoms? Have you? And remember that wouldn't let, they, if you said yes, were they going to let you on the plane? If you said yes, were they going to allow you to go to the doctor? You're like, hey, I got this toothache, it's killing me. And they're like, yeah, but have you experienced these? And you're like, you're going, no. No. Why? Because I'm in pain. I gotta, I gotta get. But, but, but the deal is, is that if this woman had this issue, she was quarantined 24-7, seven days a week. She was unclean. She had been this way for 12 years. 12 years of bleeding would be a plague for any woman in this time, but a time and place it was especially difficult. She was sick. She wasn't contagious, but, and she wasn't a leper, but she was unclean. She was declared unclean by the law. Leviticus chapter 15 says that a woman who is discharging blood is unclean and that she must separate herself from other people. In fact, when she went, if she sat on a chair, guess what, guys? The chair was unclean. And then James, if you sat on the chair that she had sat on, now you are unclean and now you got to take a week off work. Like, do you think this would make her life a, a, a joyous, happy thing? No, it made her life difficult and painful and it made her desperate. She was in a constant state of quarantine. Her separation from others had to be very painful. Leviticus 15, 25 through 27 explains why. Anything she touched on, leaned against, any. Anyone that touched anything, she had touched all of that. People would not have wanted to be around her, and she couldn't go out in public. She couldn't even lawfully hug her own family members without making them unclean and keeping them in quarantine for a week. The work of dealing with the logistics of her bleeding, trying to have clean clothes and linens for 12 years must have been exhausting. She had done all she could do to get well. She wasn't too stubborn to go to the doctor. In fact, she had spent all of the money that she had going over and over again to the doctor, over and over again to receive her healing, but it wasn't happening. According to William Barclay's commentary, the Talmud, which is like an extra biblical book that the Jews wrote, had 11 possible cures, and I guarantee you she tried every single one of them. However much money it cost, however much time it took, how much trouble she wanted to stop, and it never would. As we read in verse 26, it says this, and she had suffered many things of many physicians. I'll tell you what, going to the doctor and being poked, poked and prodded and taking this medicine and doing this thing it is not a pleasant thing. Everybody say she was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. How's that feel? How's that feel, honey? Some of you have situations in your life and you try and you try, you go to the doctor, you do this, you do that. You're tired of even telling people. You get hope. Oh, I'm going to be better. I really believe they think there's a cure. They think they know what's wrong with me if I just do this. And, and you know what happens after a while? You just quit telling people because you just don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, this can this can lead to some distance between you and God. She 
She had suffered many things of many physicians. She spent all she had. She was nothing the better, but she got worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. Now you have to understand, when she touched Jesus, she understood what touching him meant. It would make him unclean. And she's in a, a crowd full of people, and guess what she's doing, guys? She's touching all of them. What's she doing to them? She's making them unclean. She's probably down on her hands and knees. How else do you touch the hem of a guy's garment in a crowd where there's so many people pressing? How else do you do it? How would you do it, Anna? How in the world could you get down? And you'd have to be down on the ground, would you not? And so you got to picture her. And she comes from behind, and she's like, She's probably thinking, I don't want to hurt Jesus, but I need, I need him. And sometimes we worry even. And in this case, she, it's amazing that she wanted healing so much, but she, she knew what she was doing was wrong in a sense. But she didn't care. She, didn't, she had lost all of her hope, all of her money, and she'd come to the very end of herself. How do you think she felt about God? God, why did you do this to me? God, why, 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 why won't I stop bleeding? God, why? I've heard Jesus healed other people, but he hasn't healed me. Lord, and she prayed. You think this woman didn't pray? You think, you think she spent all she had on physicians? You think she bled for 12 years? You think she did all that? You think she didn't pray? I don't think, I don't think that's so. I think she prayed. God did not seemingly answer her prayer. And then the Bible gives us insight into her heart, verse 28. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I may behold. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, and he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, you can see we're in a multitude here. You're, everybody in the, everyone's touching you, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? You see, there were other people touching Jesus who were not touching him, Anna. There were other people near him who were not near him. Some of them were just watching. Some of them just wanted to be near what was going on. They weren't trying to draw near to him. They were trying to draw near to the scene. They wanted to be a part of what was going on. But they weren't coming with their own desire in their own heart to be near. And they weren't coming with faith saying, if I can get to him. But this woman was. He looked around to see her that had done it. And this is interesting to me in verse 33. The woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. You'd think after the healing it would be okay, but she's still afraid, Ash. She's still afraid. She's still afraid after her healing. Why? She's lived a long life. She's had a lot of unanswered prayers. A lot of distance has probably come in her heart. 
Matthew Henry put it this way. He said, you know, desperation can be useful. He said, because when you get desperate, you just, finally you just say, you know what? I don't really care. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care if I get in trouble, if they kick me out of the temple. I don't really care. I'm desperate. I've got to get there. And I'm going to get there if I've got to crawl on my hands and knees in this crowd, if I've got to make everybody unclean, if whatever I've got to do, if I've got to do that, that's what I'm going to do. That's what desperation does in us. You might be here today and you might be saying, I think I recognize my distance that I've made from God. I, I'm starting to feel my own need right now. I'm starting to see what is going on. Maybe God is beginning to talk to you. The woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her came, she fell down before him and she told him the truth. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, I'm praying today that God is speaking to you today from this story. It's where God has brought us today. I'd like my musicians to come. Come on, Jason. You're my musician today. I asked him to come and set up his stuff. Thank you for doing that, buddy. I know that's, that's work, but I appreciate your offering your ministry before the Lord. I'm praying God is speaking to you from the story. And as you've listened to the word of God here from Mark chapter 5, I want to ask you this question. Have you felt the burning of God upon your heart as I have? Have you felt the pull to press closer to him for your needs? Has your hardness and distance from God been exposed to you? Have you seen yourself as clear as you have seen the maniac of Gadara or Jarius? They were desperate. Maybe this desperate, lonely woman. Have you entered the story? Because I'm telling you right now, this isn't something that only happened one day way back then. It can happen today. And today, if you have a need from God, if there has been distance there, you can draw near to God. As we sing this song again, I want us to take a little bit of time searching our hearts and asking God to draw us near to Him. But we've got to do what, guys? What's the Bible say? Draw nigh unto God, and He will what? He'll draw nigh to you. God's asking you to step out in faith and say, you know what, I need you, God. I don't really care what anybody thinks. I don't care of, you, you know, what they know, people think they know about my story. I don't care what the devil's whispering in my ear. But I need Jesus and I need to be near him. I'm going to read these verses of the song and I'm going to sing them. I'm not, I don't want you to sing the verses. I'm singing them. It says, I am thine, O Lord, and I have heard thy voice. And it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. 
Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. And let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I sped when I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. There are depths of love that I cannot know until I cross the narrow sea. And there are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. As I begin to sing these words, I want you to do what the book of James says. God gives what? He gives more grace. Everybody say, I need more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let us submit ourselves to God and that keep that distance from God. Let's break it down and let's draw near to God. The devil will flee from us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, because it's nothing but sin that separates us from God. The sin of our pride and our stubbornness. You double-minded. Here's what James says, be afflicted and mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy be turned to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You go, are you telling me I need to be sad? Yeah, you are. You need to be sad that you let anything come between you and God. And it's time to repent. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer. Let this be your prayer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to lift your hands. Somebody needs to come before the Lord and kneel and say, Lord, draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to Thy service, Lord, by Thy power of grace. Let my soul
Jesus yet spoke, there came a ruler from the synagogue's house and said, Thy daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Today I would say to you that here today, maybe you, maybe you weren't able to press through the veil of your pride today, but don't be afraid, believe. He suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler and he saw the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was coming, he said to them, why do you do this? Why do you weep? The damsel is not dead, but she sleeps. You see, Jesus sees what we cannot see. What they saw was that she was dead and that she was beyond hope. Maybe what you see today is that God isn't going to fix anything. Nothing's going to change. You're going to remain distant from God. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't have to be like that. Jesus sees what you can't see. You cannot walk by sight. You must walk by faith. They laughed at him. Maybe you're laughing at me. Maybe you say, hey, I can't be close to God like that. He can't be like a friend to me. He can't be like a close friend to me. I can't allow God to be that close to me. They laughed, but when he put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and they that were with them, and he entered in where she was lying. You see, Jesus drew near to her. You might be here today and you say, I can't draw near to God. God can draw near to you. He took the damsel by the hand and he said, Talia, Talithia Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say to her, arise. And straightway she arose and she walked, for she was the age of 12. And 
They were astonished with a great astonishment. See how God ties it together. This woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, and this little girl had a 12-year life. You may think there was no significance in it all, but it is. God cares about us, and even in the death of our sin and in the separation from God that we have, even when we are unable. You know what the Bible says? When we were yet without strength, Christ died for us. He came to us. And that damsel could not come on her own. Her dad had to go and lay at the feet of Jesus and beg, but he came. And he came, and he took her by the hand, and he rose her up, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. But folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing to be astonished about today. If you come to Jesus, he will touch you. He will change you. He will draw you nearer to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. Lord, I did my best to share this message, Lord, that you put on my heart. And the devil even now lies to me and tells me that Nobody heard it, but he's a liar. Lord, I know there's somebody here whose distance is going to be closing between you. Someone that is going to draw near to you so that you can draw near to them. Lord, let that be me. Lord, I want that distance. If there is any between you and I, I want it gone. I want to draw near to you, Lord. Lord, I want to love and trust you. I want to not live a life of pride. I want to I want to fall before your feet and beg for your closeness, O oh God. Draw near to me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us. 